Okay, so you have a small business that you need to market, but you're not a marketer. So now what? Where do you start and what are you even supposed to do? Well, meet Engie. Engie is marketing software that simplifies marketing for small business owners. You can plan, organize, and get your marketing out the door and in front of your next customers fast. The best news? Engie is turning one on May 8th, so you can make marketing way more manageable for yourself for only $19 a month for your first year with the code BDAY. But don't wait. This offer ends on May 31st. Welcome to the Pretty Okay Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Taylor Holman, and today we are doing something we haven't done in a very long time because we have a guest. I am thrilled to be here with my friend and fellow let's get shit done type of business owner, Jasmine Smith. Welcome to the podcast, Jasmine. Taylor, thank you for having me. I've been, I have been listening to the Pretty Okay podcast for at least two years. And so I am not only excited to be here to share, um, but I'm also like fangirling growing just a little bit. So I just want to put that out there up front. That's so amazing. I remember when, because Samantha had a, a co-host, a different co-host originally, and I was a fangirl for a long time, you know, long time listener, first time caller. And she casually asked me to be her new co-host while I was a guest on the podcast. And I was like, yes, please. So <laughs> mutual um, fangirl experiences because, you know, cool shit happens when you do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so today we are going to be talking about something that every business owner experiences and that is the first year in business and it can be insanely fun it can be terribly challenging and i mean i definitely remember doing happy dances during my first year but also having days where i just wanted to bury my head in the sand (laughs) so i'm really excited for this conversation because we are going to talk about it all but before we dive in jasmine would you introduce yourself to everyone Sure. So I am a, gosh, what am I? I'm a serial entrepreneur. Um, I have two businesses. One is a newly opened brick and mortar, um, beautiful rentable creative space in Washington, D.C. called Open Door. And then I, two years ago, founded my company, Smith Co., which is a marketing agency. And so I just introduced myself as I'm a builder, I'm a connector. Most importantly, I'm human. And so I do a lot of different things, but I will say everything is in alignment and really centers around my pillars, which I consider to be me being a connector, a builder, and a human. That's amazing. Um, I love that there are things about what we both do that like are very similar, but also like extremely different at the same time. Um, so I'm excited to learn all about your experiences because the last six months, maybe a little bit more, have been like really big months for you as a human and a connector and a builder. So my first question is a softball. <laughs> How would you summarize your entire first year in business? 
My entire first year in business, it would be chaotic courage. I like that. Yeah, chaotic courage. Um, starting businesses, having ideas, having the highs and the lows. It takes courage, right, to get there. And in those moments when things happen, I'm reminded that, like, I decided to take a risk, right? But the chaos is when things are not going good, when business is slow, when I realize that, oh, my gosh, I have several businesses, right? So I definitely would summarize it as chaotic courage. So because you have several businesses, what are, because your marketing agency is already two years old, so just so everyone's on the same page, what are your new business babies? Yeah, so the marketing agency is two years old. Um, I was still working full-time when I founded Smithco. Um, however, I'm one year, as of last week, literally, into working for myself full-time under Smithco. Um, and so the other business would be Open Door, uh, which is the brick and mortar. We found a space in September. It was literally Taco Tuesday. There was tacos involved, tequila, this wonderful idea with friends that we should open a space. Um, we found a space in less than a week. We signed a lease 30 days later. We did a two month build out and we literally just got our CFO, which is required to open and have people occupy the space um, about four weeks ago. So those have been my babies. And then I decided to like start a podcast because why not? Um, I am a fan. I love podcasts. I think there's some amazing conversations that are happening um, in the world of, of podcasts. And so I decided to look at it as a way to document my own journey as an entrepreneur, um, particularly as a black entrepreneur who, again, quit their job to really pursue their entrepreneurial goals um, and to speak with other entrepreneurs that are doing the same thing. And so I do believe at some point, as I'm thinking about growth strategy and scaling the podcast, and it too will probably evolve into a business at some point. So those really are my, my three babies that have really been at the center of my life, especially the last six months. Yeah. I mean, those are... So the, the brick and mortar, is that a co-working space or is it part retail what are you do because i i mean people you have to have a lot of guts to be self-employed um i am actually not like a, a super risk taker because all of my my comfort zone is like all of my businesses are internet-based businesses that have no overhead right like i have to pay for some subscriptions online and that's pretty much it no such thing as rent in my world. So the concept of having a brick and mortar space is always like that much more interesting to me because to I think it takes way more guts than I've got to swallow that pill and take on that responsibility. So what are you doing with the brick and mortar? Let me first say this, that this brick and mortar has like stretched me to no end. Um, I really am like having to go deeper as a business person because to your point, I to having a, a marketing agency, right? Everything is digital and it's easy. I work from home and as long as I have my laptop and Wi-Fi, I can really do anything. So very different with the brick and, and mortar um, model where one, it's not a co-working space, although uh, we have had a lot of people ask us that. And so we're thinking about, do we need to shift our business model a little bit and offer co-working hours because it will help get some revenue in, right? So uh, one, I'm learning that being flexible is like the number one thing to have a brick and mortar. You go in with this vision of 
what your space looks like, what's going to happen in your space. And then like when the government's like, no girl, slow down, that's actually not what's going to happen because you have to wait months to get approval for people to be in your space. Um, and then it's like, okay, once you're open, right, Taylor, you and I, as, as marketing people, we understand the need to understand client experience or customer experience and customer feedback. Um, and so to answer your question, not a co-working space, the idea is kind of like on peer space. You looking for a place where you can do a creative um, photography session, maybe some brand photos, we're that space. If you're looking for a space to have a small meeting or intimate workshop, we're that space. We're not a social space. So no, we're not having weddings or receptions, no birthday parties, no baby showers, but it is a space that we want people to rent out for a minimum of four hours or all day just to gather and have some type of communal experience with whomever's in the space, whether it's creative or again, it's more of a nonprofit organization looking for a place to host. Um, there is some retail, there's a retail aspect. Um, and so part of my goal or dream was to one day own a coffee shop. And so I have a great partner that's let me kind of infuse some of that. So on Saturday and Sundays, we actually had a custom mobile bar um, built and shipped from Florida. And so we're doing what we're calling a brand activation on Saturday and Sundays where we've identified a coffee partner for the next four months to come in and on the weekends, Saturday, Sunday morning, it's coffee. And so we recognize a few things like, one, we can't just rely on this business model where people just run our space for the only way to bring in income. But two, there's also, also not a coffee um, a shop in the immediate area where we are. So we have a Starbucks, uh, maybe about two miles up the road, but we're almost in a, a neighborhood. We have a school across the street, but there's a lot of residential, a, res a lot of residences, right? Houses and homes. And so it's like, okay, as we're doing the build out, we're seeing people walk their dogs. People are all looking like, what is going on over there? And so the coffee activation is great because on the weekends, we did our first kind of soft launch. We had a wonderful turnout. We were literally running out the door saying, hey, we're new. We're a neighbor. Come in and have some coffee. And now we're on like, you know, in Facebook groups and it's kind of been socialized. So, um, you know, again, having that rentable space is, is definitely the primary um, revenue driver. And then we have this brand activation space that's on the weekends. Of course, we'll see how well that goes. We may evaluate and say, uh, it was fun. People know we're here. Now we can get rid of that and focus on the rentable space. Um, and then because we have the coffee activation, well, it's like, okay, people are gonna be in the space. Let's give them some retail. So we are working with um, no more than, we have three local brands. So we wanted to, again, thinking about you know creativity and, and even community, um, how do we continue to, to be a, a staple or a presence in the community? We wanna make sure that we're including the community in our, in our overall ventures. So we've reached out to local brands that are part of our immediate community in DC um, and offered them shelf space. So um, that's just another small way of, you know, of generating some revenue. So yes, there's retail, we have brand activations, and then there's this, the, the rentable component of, of this business model. That's amazing. I mean, it, there are so many ways for you to be able to pivot if and when necessary, because you're not just locked into a single business model. And that's something that a lot of, I, I do think that a lot of business owners think, well, when I start a business, I need to do this one thing and I need to niche down. I need to do it, you know, really well and be the best of the best. But when you are a business owner, especially when you're self-employed, I think that flexibility is the thing that allows you to either sink or swim. And if you're not flexible, then you're just going down with the ship if it decides to go down. 
but if you can be flexible and you have other things to lean into and lean out of, then that's how you can make sure you're surviving in the long run. So it's so cool to see that space be all of those things simultaneously, but in varying degrees when you need them to be. Absolutely, yeah, that being flexible, and it's been hard, right? I'm a type A, um, worked as a consultant for many, many years in a traditional work setting, was a wedding planner for almost 10 years, right? And so I'm in control, you know, it's my way or the highway. Um, and so as an entrepreneur that is self-employed, like I had to really let go a lot of that. Yes, I'm still in control because I own the business, which is part of being self-employed, but, um, getting out of my own way requires me to be more flexible, right? And to say, okay, let's try this for three months. If it doesn't work, let's change. Literally our first week open, our first coffee activation soft launch, people are walking in like, hey, if you guys open for a few hours during the week, we would come by and do co-working. So now I'm like, we're not a co-working space, but guess what? Like starting the end of this month, you can come in, we'll do one day a week to kind of test the market. So yeah, being flexible and agile was like, it's critical to success. I, I think that, you know, having a niche is great. I think you have to actually get there. Um, but I think you can have a niche also, but just keep in mind that like, you're gonna have to be flexible because what you think you wanna do may not be the best thing for your audience or who you're trying to provide, you know, services or a product for. Yep, totally. So let's talk about the mempel, the mempel. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, I swear it's after lunch. I don't know why I just flubbed like that. We can talk that. about the mimble. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about the mimble. <laughs> um, what are a few of the things that you did to like get yourself together mentally in order to prep for this adjustment of being fully committed to, you know, Jasmine has to find all the dollars that land in her bank account? Um, I will say before I quit my job, uh, mentally, I just knew that I wanted to quit my job. I'm going to be very honest. I didn't, there wasn't anything that I did necessarily um, specific that was like, okay, let me start thinking this way. I just was so burnt out and exhausted from building a business while working full time. And so once I made the decision, that was like the mental thing for me. Like there was a release, right? And there wasn't a sense of like, oh shit, like, you know, what am I doing now? It was like, okay, you made the decision. Now, like, do what you got to do, girl. So I will say my mind has now shifted since that year ago to, you know, six months into the business full time to one year into business full time where I'm figuring out and, and understanding one um, energy and product and how it impacts my productivity. Right. So how I work has definitely changed. I definitely have a very strong um, uh, discipline in terms of the types of tasks I do based on the time of day. I have a very set schedule, so I'm not as flexible and agile necessarily there, but mentally, I don't go into the week feeling overwhelmed because I know that on Monday, like I'm just gonna really focus on BD, business development and, and strategic planning, right? So I've had to adjust, how do I not, how do I keep myself from being extremely overwhelmed? And some of that just comes down to like discipline, planning ahead, calendarizing, basic, but very important things. Um, I also took up tennis and, just working out with a trainer last summer. Clearly I haven't, you know, worked out lately. Um, you all can't see me, but Taylor can. <laughs> but I do plan to get back in the gym, but I did notice like it was also a great stress reliever. So running your own business is, is super stressful. Like it just is, I don't care how much money you have coming in, when it's up to you to make sure <laughs> that there's cash flow, it's very stressful. And so um, I recognized um, a few months after resigning last year that I needed to just make sure I create space and time to not think about business. 
um, and to really make sure that physically I'm taking care of myself. And so I took a tennis class. I never played tennis in my life. Thought I was Venus and or Serena and like <laughs> jacked my ankles all up. But I had so much fun because um, one, it was taking me out of position where I felt like I had to be in charge and make decisions. So I was able to let that side of my brain just relax. But two, it's actually hard to learn something as a full grown adult, like to learn something new. And so um, it was challenging, but a good challenging. And I actually look forward it, looked forward to attending my tennis session. So I will say like mentally, that definitely, definitely um, helped along with working out with a trainer. Yeah, you know, I it took me longer than a year to get to the point where I wasn't, I mean, I'm kind of always low grade, slow burn thinking about my businesses. That's just, I think, part of the experience. But it's in the more recent past, I mean, probably since the pandemic started that I actually stopped obsessing about my businesses 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like I find myself sending fewer emails to myself with ideas or, you know, all those things that we all do. Um, and physical activity is for sure the thing that is like the only way that I can fully stop thinking about work. And more specifically, like running doesn't really do it for me or like going on, like getting on my road bike and cycling doesn't do it because those are kind of like, you know, quiet tasks, but mountain biking, climbing rocks, skiing, the shit where you can get like really fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> like those are the things <laughs> that are like, you have zero brain, like there is zero brain capacity to be thinking about your business right now because you are just trying to not hit the ground and break something. You're trying to not die, so. Yeah, so that's my tactic. My tactic is to be like living on the edge, kind of scared about your safety, or you could take Jasmine's tact and learn something new <laughs> because you still have to be fully concentrated on it. So whatever floats your boat, folks. I don't know which camp you're in. Um, okay, so you had mentioned an oh shit moment. How many oh shit moments have you had this year? This year in 2022, probably one every week. <laughs> it's funny, like the first year of business, I really didn't. And I don't know if I was writing this like, oh, yes, I finally did it. I made the decision. Like I'm writing this high of like I am a full time entrepreneur. But I definitely felt like 2022, it's like, oh shit. Um, and it was oh shit for a lot of reasons. It was like, oh shit, I gotta readjust how I'm doing business because I'm not getting as many clients doing this particular type of work, but I'm getting clients for this particular type of work, right? So it's like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta switch up my game. I gotta update my website now to speak more to this language. Um, I've had oh shit moments of like, oh shit, there's no money coming in. like. This is a quiet quarter for me. Q1 was extremely quiet after the holiday. Nobody's really trying to like do work work around the holiday or right after the holiday. So even like trying to pitch and do outreach in January was a struggle because people were just trying to like get back into their own grooves, right, in January. Um, and then I, I think my last oh shit was I've had a client who... Um, I, we signed a, a fairly relatively decent contract and then, and then like they changed their strategic direction. It was like, oh, actually we don't, we don't need the scope of work to be this big. We need to like 
pare it down. So when you're when you're forecasting and you're you know planning ahead and you know what you have coming in, it really fucks up your financials. <laughs> um, and I'm still working with that client, but like they scale down. Like I respect that they still want to work with me, and that's cool. But like that cash flow difference really um, made an impact in my business budget. Um, I do run payroll every other week, and so it, it it impacts not only my business but it impacts what I get paid. Um, yeah. for the month. So those have really been my, my biggest oh shit moments. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think that that's in terms of clients, I, which is funny because I, well, I don't have people adjusting, like making substantial adjustments to the scope very often because my scope of work, like I have to, I, I mean, I'm trying to like, I guess I'm accepting that I'm kind of a volume based business. Okay. Um, so it's like smaller chunks that I got to do more of, but I wish that clients would understand that like the consequences on the consultant's end when they decide to make changes to the scope of work, because now the window of time for you to have made up that salary, you guys can't see my finger quotes, but you know, made up the salary is gone, right? Like that money is just gone. And for whatever month or, you know, period of time you were supposed to have that income, there is no way to get it back. And now the only way to have your like overall revenue number for the year make up for it is to do more in the future, which is kind of a shitty place to be. Yeah. So that's my soapbox. Please, people don't change your scope of work with your consultants unless you have to. Um. Okay, so this is an oh shit moment that I think a lot of people have, and it's like, oh shit, this is like way fucking harder than I thought it was going to be. So, and I'm not immune to these thoughts. I have them um, on a quasi-regular basis when my friends who work for companies or, you know, my spouse just, you know, they just get money dropped into their account every two weeks. Granted, they have to work for it, but there's no hustle. So I'm Taylor, I've applied for two jobs in the last 30 days. <laughs> I'm being completely transparent. Like I applied for two jobs that I would be like, okay, if I got these two jobs, um, you know, I would have this consistent money in my account. Um, and ideally I wouldn't, they wouldn't require a whole lot and I'd still have flexibility. Um, but I went to a conference for um, CEO entrepreneurs, business owners um, last weekend. And I recognized that I needed to be in a space with other entrepreneurs who also kind of either have these feelings or are doing well, haven't had them in a long time. And so I came back home on Monday and I'm like, uh, actually, I really don't want to work for anybody. Like I want to keep moving forward. And I've accepted that being an entrepreneur is extremely hard. And, you know, I don't have a spouse. I do have a son in college who like asks for cash apps at least once a week. But I think that regardless whether I had a spouse or not, like entrepreneurship full time, it's hard as fuck. <laughs> and so to answer your question, I have thought about it. Um, and I think it's okay. I give myself grace. I applied for two jobs. It took everything in me to apply for them. Um, if it had never gotten any callbacks, I'm also like, okay, I think that like 
low key, maybe the universe, God is, is really like, no girl, like this is what you asked for. So like sit in this moment. And so I've also accepted that like my first year was relatively good um, and that it's not gonna always be good, right? I go and take this job and now I'm like, hate who I'm working with, hate who I'm working for, their processes suck. But yes, I'm getting paid, but like then I'll be back in this, this space mentally where I'm like, ugh, I wanna work on my business. So um, I set a goal for myself, Taylor, of three years. Um, I'm like, if I can get to year three, then I know I've done this. And, and at year three, I'll evaluate and assess. Like, did I make the money I wanted to make? Did I enjoy the process? Do I enjoy the ups and downs of entrepreneurship? Um, I'm 39, so I also want to be thinking about retirement. And so for me, if I can get to year three, which I believe I will, I will then assess if I want to continue on this journey. Do I want to scale back and just do consulting when I can? Um, so I'm just trying to also work towards that goal I created for myself. So I'm a year in, technically, um, full time. I have two left. And so, you know, we'll see what happens. If I need to go back to work because I'm just in this deep, deep, deep asshole, will I do it? Absolutely. Um, but I'm also willing to sit in a hole just for a little while longer. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the things, like going, making the decision to be employed by someone else or by yourself, it's, I mean, it's kind of situational, right? Like there are all these things that have to be in alignment, like internal to yourself, but also outside of you. And if more than a few of those things get out of whack, like it's not a failure on anyone's part. If you, the smartest thing you can do to, you know, advance, like your creativity and your, you know, your professional goals and save for retirement. I love you brought that up because like, I'm really convinced that no one who's self-employed thinks about retirement. And I'm like, you guys, fuck, like you can't actually work forever. I know. So, I know. Yeah. Like, this is why I always feel like I'm cash poor is because I'm trying to save really aggressively for retirement. Cause I don't, I mean, I will probably always work forever in some way, shape or form, but I don't want to have to work forever. Um, so all that to say, like, I mean, I haven't actually hit the like submit button on any applications, but I mean, I have, I have, I have eyes. I have, you know, you can't, you can't, uh, deny that sometimes you're like, oh, fuck, it'd just be so much easier if, yeah, right. But that's, we're not on this entre entrepreneurial train to find the easy way out of something. Right. Yeah. We're here because yeah. there's a part of us that's masochistic <laughs> and, and the real the real deal is like there's some aspects of entrepreneurship that sucks just like there's some parts of working full-time for someone else sucks so you got to kind of pick which suck you want to deal with you know and i'm kind of like uh like there's some days where i'm like oh this feeling sucks but i don't know just where i am right now even though i have applied for two jobs i honestly i just can't even see myself debating with someone on why i should come into their office or why i should be you know, joining five meetings a week to talk about stuff that could have been sent in an email. Like mentally, I'm not even there. So I think until I get mentally to a space where I'm like, I could do this, but I honestly cannot fathom being in somebody's work anything. Yep, or being asked to execute on a process that's like the most inefficient thing on the planet. That's that's where I get into trouble because yeah. I'll just be like, guys, this is this is stupid. Absolutely. We can fix this and then no one wants to fix it. And then I I'm absolutely asking. agree. <laughs> so, um, okay. So segueing into business practices, okay. 
what are some of the things that have worked well for you as you are managing your clients while also, you know, getting a, a brick and mortar business off the ground? Um, I will say I'm very efficient um, with my client management, just kind of work style and approach. Um, well, let me step, take one step back. One, I do a, I call a project kickoff at the beginning of every start of any new project or client contract. And so it's just a great way to like set expectations with all my clients. We'll meet once a week, you know, we'll use Google um, or we'll use Slack for communication. So that's been helpful in just making sure my clients understand what to expect from myself and my team when we're working on engagements and projects. Um, I, my clients love it. I always do like a, like slides. I do like 10 slides. I keep it super succinct, but we have an agenda. And I think I'm actually surprised the number of people that don't do that. But I think that level of organization from, from the very beginning, it just, again, it sets an expectation. Um, I think it also exudes like professionalism and excellence. And so I've had clients actually tell me like, wow, and they're never longer than an hour. I don't meet with any clients longer than an hour. That is a business practice. I will die on that hill. Um, if we're talking more than an hour, if it's like the day before an event, we just do some event production work, that's different. But I am not meeting with the client weekly more than an hour. It's, it doesn't make any sense. So that's one thing I would put out there. Um, the project kickoff. And then I was going to also say um, project kickoff meeting, um, one hour meetings. And I lost my train of thought. That's OK. It happens. It'll come back to me, though. <laughs> Because I, I love business project. I love staying organized. Um, yeah. Well, I will say this. I also think um, using Google, I use the Google Business Suite um, and just sharing things. So, oh, speaking about efficiency. Yes, this, this all goes together. I'm back now. Um, <laughs> I will say one thing that's helpful is, you know, we do <clears throat> follow-up notes after our client calls um, and or before client calls. Here's our agenda. And I do, um, I do uh, links, hyperlinks. So if there's things that I want them to look at before we meet, I do hyperlinks in my agenda. Hey, looking forward to talking to you all, you know, in the next two hours, here's our agenda and a few things to, to look over. And then follow-up is the same thing. I've gotten the habit of like making sure my folders are shareable. So clients know that they can go and access things. I do project work plans. And so anytime a client wants to see like what they should have done by the meeting or my team should have done, they have access to it and clients actually use that. So I find that just having a level of efficiency and organization is super helpful, one, for me. It helps me stay organized with all the things that I have going on. Um, if we're doing a huge event, I usually will bring in, it could be up to eight people, eight contractors to work on projects. And so everyone has access to the same things. And then I just think that biggest thing of that one hour meeting, like I'm huge on um, respecting time. Like I respect time in general. I respect my time. I respect other people's time. And so it's very important to me when we have that meeting set that we adhere to the start and end time. You know, we get through that agenda. There's been times where I have client meetings where we don't get through it all. And I'm like, you know what? I want to be respectful of your time. Let's move this to our next week, next week's call. Right. And so some clients are like, oh, and I'm like, no, this is what we're doing. Like, <laughs> right. Just again, it's just creating a level of, again, efficiency, um, and just organization for my own self. Most people, you know, I would assume we all kind of have these back-to-back -back meetings sometimes. And I don't like to jump into meetings late. I don't want people to, have to repeat what they just said because I was late. And so I feel like just, again, those small, basic but practical um, disciplines have really, really helped me just organize and be on top of different things based on what business I'm working on. Yep. I mean, being, like, as clear as possible with clients 
is really the best thing you can do right out the gate because I mean, I'm not like saying anything groundbreaking. <laughs> this is not a breaking news, folks. Um, clients get confused when they don't know what's happening next. Yeah. But if you don't like really spell things out for people, that's where you get meetings running long. It's where you get clients that aren't prepared. It's where things aren't coming due or back to you when they're due. So you and I, I think, operate very much on the same plane because I'm like get I mean I don't know if you consider yourself someone who just in general moves quickly through life but I'm very much like you guys better keep the fuck up (laughs) because if you're getting on this train I'm gonna keep it moving at this speed and I hope you're I hope you're ready for it yeah Um, there's a start and end date right it's a start and end date and so again i want to be respectful of my own time my team's time but also your time and if we're taking three hours to talk through something something's not right you know something is is not clicking so i am very much like you taylor and then i do i work extremely fast but i work efficiently and so um in terms of people that i bring on to work on different projects like you have to keep up because you'll get left but then my clients who I think actually appreciate my level of like, like, let's get this shit done. Um, it actually helps them because a lot of times my clients aren't as fast as I am. But because, again, I'm organized. They know what we're talking about next meeting. They have access. When we jump on these calls, we're like rolling. We're rolling through we need to get through because I have stuff to do. You know, they have stuff to do. <laughs> um, and in order for us to get things done, we need to make sure we're, you know, kind of hitting these bullet points. So, yep. yeah, that efficiency piece and organization. I, I also want to add one last thing, Taylor, if I can. Yeah, I would say um, um, client management is key and is crucial. Um, We have to learn that we're collaborating with clients on work, but there's a huge opportunity for us to really manage the client based on how we work. And sometimes you'll get I'll get a struggle. I'll feel a little tension. But typically, you know, I'm really good. I, I think I'm really good at just managing and making sure, again, clients understand our process they know how we work they know what to expect when we get on these calls and that really helps them and i've i've seen where teams have their own like drama and i'm like oh this team is not doing well but it's not my job to tell them that so i don't but i recognize okay if i see these people are disengaged or disconnected or know what's going on i'm able to kind of read the room or read the screen and and if i need to adjust based on like my audience right my client's team i'm able to just help them manage in a way that's in alignment with the work that we're trying to get done. So I will also say that's definitely a skill that I don't think it's talked about enough in terms of just like actually managing clients. Yes. I mean, it's kind of shocking. I know that you've had, you've done presentations and all the, and, and webinars and all these things around boundaries, mm-hmm. which is, is different, but there is an overlapping component because I think that People think that by managing their clients, that they're somehow overstepping their clients' boundaries, right? Because, you know, we respect people as adults and professionals, and it's like no one wants to be micromanaged. But managing your clients is not micromanaging them. Like, micromanaging is its own special thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) that, like, has deeply rooted psychological reasons for people being that. Yeah. Um, But... Yeah, if you don't manage your clients through the process, then you're just really letting them take control where they shouldn't have control or, you know, for whatever reason. Um, So I'm on board with manage your clients and we're going to have to do like a whole nother 
episode specifically it's, about it's managing so clients. important it's it's it, there's a skill to it though right i think that there is i think it is is a skill but it, i think people can learn it if you feel like you need to or if you're willing to learn it so totally totally okay so talking about being super fast and efficient people how well a do you have plans to scale one or both of the businesses and if so, what are you putting in place to make sure that it scales successfully as opposed to just like becomes a runaway train? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, for Open Door, the brick and mortar, I'll, I'll leave that be. Again, that's just, it's brand new. We're, we're, we're just being agile right now with that. Um, although we do have, our vision is to scale. We have a three-year lease. So we have three years to like make the most and maximize the space. Um, with Smithco, my agency, which is my primary source of, of, of income and revenue, um, I am planning to scale. And what that looks like is scaling in people. Um, and so bringing on um, actual employees. Um, I would love to have maybe two, maybe three employees by the end of the year. Um, I've been able to supplement resource and talent um, by way of hiring independent contractors. And it's worked out well. I have a great team of contractors that I, I work with consistently and then i'm always like meeting new contractors and people that you know have expertise whether it's you know a dope creative that does copywriting or dope design or i have a really cool guy that does like all the multimedia work that we do and so that model has worked it's a great model it's not bad to have but as the company scales you have more money coming in there's benefits to having employees so there's that piece um as i grow in, in terms of people i would love to also scale in services so um, as I mentioned earlier, right, we kind of have to pivot, be agile. And I noticed that like there's one piece of my business that's always growing and I necessarily don't want to grow with it. But honestly, I have to because it's the primary <laughs> source of, of income. And so what I've taught myself and been training myself the last two or three months is Jasmine, grow with it. But then scale, you don't have to manage that part of the business, right? If you hire somebody that can come in and, and be responsible for that, you know, division or that practice or work stream, whatever you want to call it, you can do that. You don't have, it doesn't have to be you. And so again, scaling definitely in people and then looking to scale in terms of services is definitely on my, my purview for 2022. That's amazing. Well, let me know how it goes. <laughs> again i'm over here I'm like uh it'll just be me alone forever taylor it's so hard like i feel like my business would have done better year my business year or two not me working with business year or two had i scaled last year but because i have not wanted to let things go like there has to be a mental shift from being a solopreneur to an entrepreneur or business owner if you want it to be right everyone's not meant to manage a company with people my desire is to manage a small company with people because I don't want to be in this necessarily seat doing all the pieces. So I think it comes down to individual goals and business models and what you want for yourself. Managing people was a fucking headache. Like, yeah, I think I was a good manager in my last role. I, I got, a, I, I, from what I was told, I was a great manager. I had a lot of people, lots of people promoted. I was dedicated to my team, but Managing its people was a job in itself and everyone's not cut out to be a manager. So if you feel like rolling solo dolo is the way to go, oh, that rhymed. I really should like make a shirt or something. Then <laughs> I would say <laughs> rolling solo dolo, you know, solopreneur, there's nothing wrong with that. Like do that. But I think when we think about, you know, I don't want to be in this seat working this hard five years from now, you know, how do I do that? I'm going to have to scale. And my goal is not to have a fortune 500 company, but I want a nice size profitable company that's doing really cool work with dope ass clients. Yep. Yep. You know, when, 
because I actually like managing people. It's the teacher in me. But like Jillian and I, with my consulting company, specifically with the website copywriting projects we take on, there's a very specific number that we allow mm. ourselves to take on. Okay. And we have been booking out four to six months in advance for like well over a year. Awesome. Now. Congrats. That's and huge. It's huge. So we've jacked our prices up Good. like a shit ton. <laughs> like it, so we're doing all those things. And the, the, the other piece that people keep like, well, why don't you just start hiring other copywriters to scale that side of the business? And I'm like, no, not not there. Okay. But there are, I have my hands in other projects where I'm like, yes, 100%, I would be willing and able and excited to manage a team. But it's just not that space. It's not the copywriting space. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, I share that just so that, you know, everyone tuning in can kind of be reminded that not every aspect of your business is one that you should scale even if you have the opportunity mm -hmm. to do it right like it's your business you make the call even if people are just repeatedly hounding you to do something yeah. if you don't feel like it's right then don't um but i mean i'm excited to see you with with a rad agency someday me too but, yeah. but I love that point that you made, right? You have to kind of know what parts of your business you want to scale and which ones you don't. So, um, yeah, I'm committed to, like, just doing what I got to do. But, yeah, I would love to scale. And, again, my goal is I don't want to scale to, like, 50 people. Like, I would love just, like, a boutique agency. We do dope work and we collaborate with other people. So I don't have to manage so many people. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. So community is always important. Because we are nothing without our people. Uh, how has your community helped you in this first year of business? Oh, man. Community has been um, essential. Well, let me say this. I have several communities, right? I have, like, the personal girlfriends who, like, we have the dope group chat that's always, like, lit. But everyone's not an <laughs> entrepreneur. That's, that's, and that's more my personal community for when I, like, Jasmine the human needs community. Um, and then I, I am slowly building a very entrepreneurial community, which I recognize, I would say, maybe in January that like is a necessity as an entrepreneur. My personal community is like fire. Like they just, they are awesome women mostly. Um, but they, there's some things they just cannot, that can't resonate with them because they, they're not where I am. And so I'm learning that my energy, my innovation and creativity is coming from other entrepreneurs. So I mentioned earlier, I was at a conference recently with other entrepreneurs and I was tired mostly because I have been traveling for two weeks, but like today, it's kind of like my first day back, you know, at work, I feel so rejuvenated. And it was because I was around all these other entrepreneurs. And so, you know, most people don't talk about how lonely being an entrepreneurship can be extremely lonely, especially so because lonely. we are all working from home mostly. We know we're not in an office. A lot of people can't, I can't afford a co-working space. I also not sure I really want to work in one. I love being at home, but I've learned that like when I'm home, I'm literally just home by myself. And so all the energy that I'm using to be creative, to do client work, to manage clients, to, you know, find new business, that energy is like, it just, it, it zaps everything out of me. <laughs> and I'm learning that the importance of having other people to share ideas with and kind of exchange energy 
is what really helps me maintain a higher level of productivity. So I know I said a lot in that, but point being that I will say that entrepreneurial community and just connecting with entrepreneurs, I have friends that, a few friends that actually have quit their jobs in the last few years as well. We do work sessions together. Like we'll go down and meet and bring our laptops and just literally work. And maybe like two or three hours. I don't do it all day. I don't recommend all day because then you start like having stuff that's not work and that's not productive. But in those moments where I'm able to leave my house and my comfort zone and my space, going outside, meeting with other people, you know, I may have may see something that's like, oh man, that's a really cool idea. You know what? That would work for something I'm working on. So I will say community is very important. You just have to find the right community and your community can look like, it can be different communities based on uh, what your individual needs are. But mine certainly has been the personal community and then the community of just really cool entrepreneurs who I just wanna like, you know, touch base with, do a quick work session, jump on a Zoom call, exchange some thought leadership. But those, it has, it has really been almost a lifesaver to be very honest with you. Totally. I mean, I have in my like entrepreneurial community, I have the, I have, I don't wanna say I have like tiers of people, I have different groups. <laughs> So Taylor has friends that some are like two stars, three stars, (laughs) five star. I mean, uh, people who know me know that I would not. (laughs) If you you know, you know. Like that past me, should never push it like that past me. But I mean, I have friends that I turn to when I want to get the creative wheels going. I have friends that I turn to when I'm like, "Am I fucking crazy or no?" And then I have friends that I turn to, there is a top tier of like the, you know, the, it's like three people who know all of the, all the numbers, all of the secrets, all of the crazy ideas. So sorry guys, there are, there are tears. (laughs) Um, But, you know, depending on the day of the week, depending on the project, like depending on what I'm working on and through having different folks to tap into. You know, like I have some wonderfully creative friends who are like cats that need to be corralled mm-hmm. and they are, they serve a wonderful purpose as friends and community members in specific moments. And, but I'm not going to go to them with like big business problems because right. they're not the right people to have that conversation with. So, um, so yeah, sorry guys, I have tears. Well, yeah, yeah but, but I love what you said, and I need to think about that also, because it sounds like your tiers, are, it's not a ranking or rating system, so I think you're fine there, but just having <laughs> tiers based on your needs is, that's dope, and I need to, um, I might have to assess my friend tiers as well, based on yeah. needs, what I need, um, and what they need, right? Because that's also a part yeah. of community and relationship building, so. Yeah, yeah, that, that top tier is like the NDA group where mm, I probably good. should have had them sign NDAs, yeah. <laughs> but they haven't, but I trust them with that level of shit that, you know, there should be some sort of legally binding, please don't share this with please anyone. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, okay, so before we wrap up, looking into the future, your one is behind you, you've survived, and you've more than survived, you've like done awesome shit. And you're going into, I mean, knowing that you've got that three-year goal, these next two years are like, you've got to pour gas on the fire. So is there anything that you plan to do differently now that it's year two in business and this is like, you know, 
it's incredibly important timing for you? Yeah, that's a excellent question. Um, one of the things I plan to do different in year two is I really want to focus on one area of my business versus all three areas of one of my businesses. Um, I do believe that depending on your business and your service, um, there is value um, and just wisdom in figuring out what you're really, really good at and marketing the hell out of that, right? So it's this theory that I have in my mind. It's like, what's making me, what's made me the most money over the last X amount of months? And if I know that that's a way that basically is like almost guaranteed income, like that's where I need to spend my time. So for me, it's called my MVP. I actually have a certification in product management and it's this is how products are developed. You identify what's the most valuable products within your business. So that's what I've done. Um, for me, it's events. Event production um, is my shit. I don't want to do it forever, but like it's, <laughs> it's just done very well. And so for me, as I'm literally pivoting, um, I have that one foot down, that one that's like kind of moving. It's like, okay, girl, events is what people know you for. And it's going to bring an income that will allow you to then scale. So again, focusing on my MVP and then scaling from there. Um, I also want to be a little bit more conservative with how I spend personally um, this year. And that's just me being transparent. Like, again, I am a human. I own a business, but like I have bills. Like that's just is what it is. So um, I would love to just be a little more conservative with my with my personal funds so that when business is tight and I can't make payroll or I have to lower the payroll for this, you know, pay period. Um, I feel okay. You know, I think that's a huge part of being an entrepreneur and why people are so hesitant is because money and like, I get it. And that's a real thing. Like people have rent and mortgage and they have to eat. And, um, that's important to me. And I understand that, you know, that stress financially, um, impacts me as a human, which means going to impact me as a business owner. And so for me, just being a little bit more conservative is one of my, one of my goals this year. Um, I would say lastly, I just want to really be intentional and be in alignment with everything I'm doing. Um, I have the two businesses. I have the podcast. Taylor knows I didn't mention this and it's not really a business thing, but occasionally I speak for the nap because I was a former wedding planner. And so, um, you know, I, I, I enjoy it, but going into next year, into my year three, I'm already thinking like, what am I doing in this year? That's not really adding specific value or bringing in money to support my businesses, right? I love the work I do with the knot. I, I don't miss being a wedding planner, but I love being able to pour into that community because I still have a lot of insight and knowledge. But like strategically thinking and speaking is what I'm doing for the knot in alignment with my businesses, right? So those are questions I have to ask myself. And I'm definitely committed, in case I'm not listening, like I'm finishing out this year, but just <laughs> making sure, just, this is an example of just how I want to make sure that what I'm doing this year, like everything is in alignment and strategic to like, who I am as a human connector builder, but to my businesses. And if it's not, I got to be saying some hard no's because who has time to be wasting out here? I don't have time to waste. Yeah. I have two years left and I want to make the most. Um, and as you know, Taylor, being an entrepreneur and kind of quasi, I'm a, I feel like I'm a quasi creative. There's always ideas and things you want to do and it's a good and bad thing. And so for me to remain focused and just be very clear and intentional, I really just want to be walking and touching and moving um, in alignment the next, in this year too. Yep. Okay. So I can't remember what the first, what was the first follow-up episode I said we were going to do? Uh, managing clients. Managing clients. The second one we're going to do is all about opportunity costs. Mm, that's good. Mm, 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 mm. That's good. We're gonna have, yes. Cause that is a conversation that I feel every day. 
<laughs> so, um, yeah. So, uh, you guys, Jasmine's going to be back on the podcast because we have two very meaty topics that we definitely have to dig into. Um, I can't thank you enough for carving this time out of your day today. Can you tell folks where your corners of the internet and where they can find you? Yeah, well, first, thank you for having me again. Um, I love um, the work um, that you all have been doing. I just love that you all have these super human, transparent conversations. I learn every time I listen to an episode. So thank you, thank you, thank you to you and Sam. Um, And I am on the internet, probably not as often as I should be from a social perspective, but I'm on Instagram. Um, It's the Jasmine Smith. Um, LinkedIn, I love LinkedIn. I think it's a great way to connect from a business networking perspective. Jasmine Smith, I'm public. And then I am very heavy and active on Twitter. Um, I I think Twitter is phenomenal too. I've actually gotten my first retainer client I found by way of Twitter. So I'm on Twitter at Jasmine Dot, and it's spelled out D-O-T. Yeah, Jasmine Dot Smith. And yeah, so Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn is where you can find me. Cool. And so everyone should make sure to give Jasmine a follow. Check out her podcast, which is Built to Quit. Um, Here's the usual suspect and roll. Show notes will be up (laughs) on prettyokaypodcast.com. And Sam and I will be back, uh, you know, doing our semi-regular, intermittent, uh, inconsistent social media shenanigans when we feel like it because we're humans and ain't ain't nobody got time for all the things all the time. But if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Samantha and I will be back in a couple weeks telling random stories and tangents, but also mixing in (laughs) some helpful advice. Jasmine, I really can't thank you enough. I'm so thankful to have you as a friend. Um, I mean, I think we met three, two years ago. I think, yep. I think two years ago, ago. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I'm so glad that we actually got to meet in real life last fall. That was very special. Have a beautiful rest of your day, everyone. See you next time. Mm -hmm.